What a beautiful time today again in the Word with my wonderful family, God's precious, wonderful people. I'm so glad I'm with you again. And today, I'm going to talk about reversing and breaking the curse. Listen, this is very, very important. How to reverse the curse and how to break it and be free from it. Because people have got to understand, we as God's people must understand Yes, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, but it demands our cooperation with the Lord and His Word. Freedom does not come overnight. Freedom is a process. We have to walk in freedom. And we walk in freedom as we walk with the Lord in the power of His Word. I'm talking to some right now, I know that don't know why there's been troubles in your life. Maybe some mental troubles. Maybe other troubles. Maybe even financial troubles. They descend from generation to generation. And when we are born again, we can reverse them and finally break them. But there's not a whole lot of teaching on this, sadly, today on how do you reverse it? Like, you know, are we free immediately when we are born again? Not so. Because the Bible says we are changed from glory to glory. Our deliverance is progressive. Our growth in the Lord is progressive and much more. Now, Lord, I pray you'll speak to them from your precious word. Let them see exactly what you said in your word, Lord, because that's all we have. Bless your people today, Lord, and bring freedom to them in Jesus' name from all bondage, all bondage in all areas. And God's people said, Amen. If you will just listen to the word I'm bringing today, we'll continue tomorrow and possibly even Thursday. Because I I will tell you, it took me years to really understand this. Because I've always said, you know, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But I didn't really understand what the Bible had to say about walking in it. And we walk in that freedom slowly, progressively, as we grow in our knowledge of God's Word and freedom. Let's begin with Romans 6.16. Because i got to talk to you about how does it start? Like, where does bondage come from? And how does it begin in maybe our forefathers, or maybe mom and dad, and others even before them. It says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, I always thought, okay, once I'm saved, everything is over. No, listen. After over 50 years of being a Christian, I've discovered it's a process of deliverance. It's a process of salvation. It's a process that God puts us in as we grow in the Lord. So someone says, well, I was saved 30 years ago, 50 years ago. Yeah, that's when your salvation began. It will be complete when we stand before Jesus. At that time, our full redemption is complete. So, know ye not to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey could apply to somebody 
in our family a hundred years ago who brought bondage into their life and that bondage continued from age to age, generation to generation, and then some precious person is saved in that line and nobody tells them. Now you have to reverse what started a hundred years ago. So people come into bondage. Why does bondage begin? Because people come into bondage when they yield to the world, when they yield to the enemy. So possibly a great, great, great grandmother or a great, great, great grandfather or someone way back then yielded to the enemy. And that bondage started, quite simple. Now, the Bible says in Isaiah 5, because we have to understand this, before we understand how does liberty come, let's understand how does bondage come. And frankly, today even, with people who are saved, you know, they allow things in their life that, that bring them into bondage, not understanding God has given us tools through his word to use, and if we don't use them, we're going to end up in bondage. So Isaiah chapter 5, verse 13 through 15 says, Therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. So let's understand that. People go into captivity because they have no knowledge. Number one. It says in Hosea 4, I think we all know this one by heart. But Hosea 4 and verse 6, it says, My people are destroyed now for lack of knowledge, correct? Because you've rejected knowledge, God says, I will reject you. So it goes back to someone in our history rejected the knowledge of the word of God or even ourselves. If we reject the knowledge of the word of God, bondage is going to come. That's what the Bible says. 2 Timothy 2.25 and 26 is quite an amazing portion. It says, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God pre-adventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging, to acknowledge the truth. So once people say, okay, I'm going to now look into the word. I'm going to look into the truth. Now it says that they may recover themselves, recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So if we do not acknowledge the word of God and what the word of God has to say about liberty and how we come out of this bondage, then we can literally allow the devil to snare us at any time. But it says we can recover ourselves from the snare or the trap of the enemy if we what? Acknowledge the truth. Verse 25 if they acknowledge to the acknowledging of the truth. So repentance is wonderful. But after repentance, we have to acknowledge the word of God. The reason today people are in such terrible demonic bondage, you you hear about all the mental illness in the church. You hear all about people who are losing their health and losing their mental health and on and on and on. Because bondage sets in and they don't know what to do. Nobody's telling them. There is power in the word of God if you're using it properly. Now let's understand something here. 
the Bible tells us very clearly, we are in a war. This is the Christian life. If you don't really understand it, uh, and you don't live victoriously, the enemy can defeat people who don't know the word of God, even if they are pastors. So Ephesians 6, for, the, for example, talks about, you know, and somebody says, well, you know, if the Christian life is a war, who wants it? Hey, let me tell you something. We win. <laughs> they don't. That, that war exists in the world way worse than it does in the, in the church because they are bound to Satan and they have no way out. At least the church is free in Jesus. And when the devil tries to bring us back into bondage, we know exactly how to deal with him through the Bible. We, we resist him. They can't. The whole world today is in bondage to the enemy. Come on. The, the whole world is. There's a spiritual war out there, and the enemy is winning over the unbelievers. Not over us. Why? Because we have the power to resist him through our faith. And he'll flee from us. He's not fleeing from them. So it says in Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. The unbeliever cannot stand, but we can. Stand against the wiles of the devil or the schemes or the plans of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and so on and so forth. That's all there in Ephesians 6. But it says, take unto you the whole armor of God. Now, I'm not teaching on the armor today. I will in the future, very soon in fact, because I want to show you how the word of God works in all areas of our life. But we know we are in a war. And the Bible tells us also in 2 Corinthians, because you, we have to understand there is a war out there, a spiritual war. But we win if we do it right, if we do it right. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. This is not a physical war we're we in, it's spiritual. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. And that word carnal means in the flesh. It's not, it's not a, a war we fight physically but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I'm going to give you, in the next few days, I'm going I'm to show you uh, the strong men. The Bible talks about, you know, when we overcome the strong man. Well, who are these strong men that demons operate under? We'll talk about that in the next few days. It's most fascinating. Because when you cast out demons, don't cast out the demon who's under that strong man, come against the strong man in Jesus' name, and a lot of demons leave when that strong man goes. But when the word of God is absent, when people neglect the Bible, here's how it, the, the next thing that happens that should show them, hey, there's, there is trouble. The first thing is, is regression. Regression means their behavior starts to change for the worse. So let's say somebody is born again. Everything is beautiful. Now they neglect the word of God. The next thing you will see and the first sign you'll see is they begin to regress in the faith. There are seven steps I'm going to show you right now. They begin with regression. Regression means they reverse 
to earlier behavior. They reverse to earlier patterns. For example, someone is saved, their language changes, now they speak holy, they speak well, the cussing is gone, the filth is gone, and all that is gone as they are living for the Lord. And next thing you see, if you see that filth come back in their mouth, they've regressed, they've gone backwards. Why? Because the word of God is no longer having an impact on their life, and they start to cuss and say filthy things and talk foolishly. The second thing that happens is they repress. Repression means uh, the expressions of thanksgiving towards God stop. Because when people are saved, they're always saying, thank you, Jesus. I bless your name, Jesus. Now, suddenly, they repress. So we go, they go from regression to repression, meaning their expressions of thanksgiving stop. So when you, when you see someone, suddenly they're saying filthy things and horrible things, and now they're no, they're no longer saying, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Something is wrong. Number three they go from regression to suppression. They, they, they begin to conceal their past experience with God. They become ashamed of talking about their relationship with Jesus. They're no longer talking about, I was saved five years ago. They no longer talk about the Bible. They no longer talk about the Lord. They no longer talk about anything to do with God. That is, they suppress it. They conceal it. So they go from regression, they go in reverse, into older behaviors. They regress, and then they repress, meaning they conceal and not talk about their relationship with God. And then, no more than, than that, they suppress and suppress is actually a deeper uh, uh, place now where there's not only no longer things, even towards the Lord, he completely disappears out of their conversation. Number four. Number four, they go into depression. Depression, uh, they move into hopelessness. They move into a state where hope is gone. That's number four. Number five, they begin to oppress. They, they go from depression now to oppression. And oppression now, suddenly, uh, they are overpowered by the enemy. You see the, the steps that I'm giving you. They regress first. They go into earlier behaviors. They repress, now they're, they're not saying, thank you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. They suppress, they conceal their experience, they don't talk about the Lord at all or their salvation. Number four, they are now depressed. And the minute they are depressed, there's no hope. They begin to lose hope. And after they're in depression, they go into oppression. So if someone is in depression, it's because they've gone through regression, repression, suppression, and that's where they come into depression, no hope. 
And if they don't deal with depression, now they go into oppression. Oppression means the, the enemy overpowers them. And if they don't deal with that, they go into a more deadly place called obsession. What is obsession? Obsession is where they are besieged by evil spirits. They're surrounded by evil, by evil demons. So think about now suddenly they're surrounded. That's like besieged, like a city being besieged. And finally, the final uh, destructive thing that happens, where full destruction comes, is now there's possession. So here are the seven steps backward when people neglect the word of God. When they don't allow the Lord to work with them, progressively taking them from death to life, from darkness to light, and so forth. So I hope you wrote all this down. It begins with regression. They go into old behaviors. It moves into, into repression. They, they no longer say, thank you, Lord. They are no, they're, they're expressions of thanksgiving stops. They go into suppression. They conceal their relationship. They don't talk about Jesus at all. They now go into depression, number four, no hope. Now they go into oppression, number five, overpowered by the enemy. Now they go into obsession, they're besieged by demons. And seven, they're possessed. Now total con con control. And that is where it becomes, uh, it's now necessary. And by, by the way, let me just tell you this. There is hope even for those who are possessed because they can reverse that curse. It, it, it can be reversed. I've seen it happen in people's lives. Deuteronomy 11, 26, because I'm still teaching on the danger of people making a choice, you know. So in Deuteronomy 11, 26 says, God says, Behold, I said before you this day a blessing and, and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments and a curse if you don't, in verse 28. So we've got to be very, very, very clear that a curse doesn't come for no reason. There's always a cause for it. Uh, in, in Proverbs 20, 26 and verse 2, it says very, very clearly, a bird, as, a, as the bird by wandering and as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless will not come, meaning there's always a cause why people are under a curse. There's always a reason for it. But you have to find the reason. And when you find it, you can reverse it. Quite simple. So today I'm teaching on reversing and breaking that curse once and for all. And I'm talking to people right now that need to hear that. So, and please, you've got to understand when that bondage begins, when that curse begins, it will affect your children. It will affect your descendants. Now, uh, this could have happened, and most likely a lot of people who are still in bondage and fighting bondage don't realize it started with, with, with a grandpa, grandma, or great-great-grandpa, great-great-grandma, but they did not understand, nor, and no one told them, here's the way you do it. Here's the way you, you reverse what they started or reverse what you started. But we have to understand what God says 
about how it follows from, gener- from generation to, ge- to generation. It says in Exodus 20, verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, meaning idols. For I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, but showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. What is so remarkable is, God is so gracious to not allow the curse to go beyond a certain generation. Because those who obey him, God will bless their generations continually. There will be no curse. But do you realize, if you don't reverse that curse now and break it, it will follow and continue on your children. That could have started 100 years ago from some grand, great somebody way back there, great grandfather or grandma or whoever. Now listen to me. When people worship idols, it brings a curse on them. What is the number one when it comes to God's commandments? What is the number one commandment? Thou shall have no other gods before me. What did God say to Israel over and over? He said, if you worship other gods, I will no longer bless you. So the God we serve promised he will bless us if we obey and serve him. He cannot bless us if we don't. So he is the God who blesses and sends blessings on those who obey, but also the God who will send a curse, it's all over the Bible, on those who don't obey. I know this is not something people like to talk about. It's in the Bible. You can't erase it from the word of God. And if you say it's old covenant, oh, no, no, it's the word of God. If you can change one thing in the Bible, then you can change anything else you want. And Jesus said, I didn't come to change anything. I came to fulfill. Now, he took the curse on the cross for us who accept him, who obey him, who follow him, who love him. But not that uh, someone who says, well, I'm going to you know, live for myself and enjoy my own life and not, not follow the Lord. No, there's no way. Now, so not only will the curse follow, and tomorrow I'll be dealing with, you know, how to start the, the process of reversing it. So I had to tell you how it starts first. We, you know, we can't just jump into it. But let's understand too, not only will it follow on our children, it will follow upon the land we live in. You wonder why the world is in the place it's in? You wonder why America today is in the place it's in? The America I moved to back in the 70s is not the same America today. You you people who live here know that. You say, well, can it be reversed? Absolutely. If God's people do what we're all supposed to do, God will bring blessings to the land. He said so in the Word. So it says here in 2 Samuel, Two, verse 1, a very most revealing verse about God. Then there was a famine in the days of David three years. Year after year. David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, it, It's for Saul and for his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. So sometimes God judges the land or 
the action of someone who is already gone. Here's King Saul who killed the Gibeonites because God, there, there was a covenant made between Joshua and the children of Israel and the Gibeonites when Joshua came into the land. Do you remember when the Gibeonites came and they kind of deceived Israel and were dressed in bad clothing and brought with them stale bread and so on and so forth. They were their neighbors. And they said, no, we come from a, a far country. And Joshua did not seek the Lord to see if they were telling the, the truth or not. But they made a covenant with them to protect them. Saul comes and breaks the covenant that Joshua made with the Gibeonites, starts to kill him. As a result of him breaking the covenant with the Gibeonites, Famine comes. So here famine came because of something that happened a long time before that. So sometimes if a great-great-grandpa or a great-great-grandma or whoever else in our family line broke the covenant or, or worshipped idols, it, fo it follows and follows and follows. It can even affect the land they live in, which it has in many countries, as you all know. But we, the church, can reverse it. We can turn the whole thing around if we do what is right. I'm going to show it to you tomorrow because I'm going to show you what, what, what happened to Yehoram, who was Ahab's son, how the curse followed. But then it was, it was reversed with Jehoshaphat. So even though it, it, it came with Ahab, another king was able to reverse it. So it's very important to really pay attention to the teaching tomorrow. So don't miss tomorrow as I'm going to show you how a curse can be reversed and broken because it's all in the Bible. It's all in the Bible. So please don't miss tomorrow. This is a very important teaching on reversing and breaking the curse. But I cannot rush into it. This is not something I can just give you in 20 minutes or half an hour and think everybody got it. So we have to take slow. We have to do it slow so you can really benefit and be strengthened. My whole reason for being with you daily, and I've been doing it now since 2020, to strengthen the church. My heart is to strengthen you with God's word every single day. Now, Lord, bring that knowledge of reversing the curse and breaking the curse and how to do it, Lord, to everyone, to every single one, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I give you all the praise, all the glory and the honor. And God's people said, Amen. Look, I cannot give you something I don't have myself, okay? I've gone through this on my own. When I got saved, it wasn't all bright immediately, you know. Yes, I was born again, but I had a lot of issues to deal with from my past, from my upbringing. My liberty came as I began to understand slowly, slowly, what the Bible teaches. And today I'm sitting here 50 years later. This has been a 50-year lesson that I'm sharing with you today on not only reversing the curse, breaking the curse, but keeping your liberty in the Lord. Because it's easy to go back to old behavior. Believe me, the flesh is very powerful. 
but we can overcome the flesh and keep it under submission and subjection if we simply do what is right. And what what we do is so simple. I mean, like living the Christian life is so simple. So simple. The, the simplicity of Jesus is so precious. The simplicity of his word is so amazing. So, Lord, I give you praise. Amen. Okay, it's time to sow seed in the work of the Lord. I ask you that every day because I want God to bless you financially. I want the Lord to bless your tomorrow, protect your tomorrow, increase you on every side, including financially. And we, and I believe there is a wealth transfer coming. I know some people don't, don't believe that. Well, let me tell you something. If they don't believe it, they are not going to receive it. Because God showed us in the Word six wealth transfers already in the Bible. For Abraham, from Pharaoh, who gave him his wealth, in Genesis 12 and 13, to Isaac with Abimelech, to Jacob with his uncle Laban, and on and on. So I don't know why people question the wealth transfers when it's already happened six times in the Bible. I mean, do you remember the whole nation of Israel received the wealth of the Egyptians? And God will give us that wealth of the nations again before the rapture of the church. I'm convinced of it. And all you have to, you have to do is so see to prove yourselves faithful that when that day comes, God will use you and through your hands will bless the world with the gospel and bless you beyond measure, beyond measure. There'll be no lack in your life. Lord, bless them today greatly, financially, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you can sow your seed right now by going on the platform you're watching me on, Benin Ministries, or go to benihim.org, or simply text BHM45777, and become a partner with our ministry by going to our website. And don't forget our conference coming up for pastors, May 25 through 28 at Thrive Church in Apopka. That's Orlando. Okay, I'll see you there, and please, you can sign up online for that and become a partner. And don't forget my book, Mysteries of the Anointing. It's selling everywhere. People are loving it. You'll not be able to put this book down, I promise you. It's everywhere books are sold. Much love. Don't miss tomorrow. Bye-bye.